Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the book of Numbers, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not easy sitting in these pews, but today, I'm going to let you sit. Because today we're going to take some time to hear God's word. But you know what? It might not make you want to sit in these pews. You know why? Because sometimes hearing God's word is hard. Sometimes we don't want to hear God's word because we don't want to hear what he has to say to us. Whether it's good news or bad news. Whatever comes out of this book, sometimes we just don't want to hear it. And if that's how you feel, how do you think the world that doesn't believe in God feels? You think they want to hear it more than you? And let's start out with Maybe not some great news. Sin has consequences. Surprise! Bet you didn't see that one coming. Now you already knew that. Probably. Today, you heard some unique stories in God's Word. Three things that come right after another that seemingly aren't related. But it all has to do with hearing God's word. You have Moses, who was the leader of the people of Israel, called by God from the burning bush. Yet he was not without sin either. The people of Israel grumbled against God like they always did. And Moses goes and speaks to God for the people. God told him to speak to this rock, and out of it would pour water. Instead, he hits it. Because, well, maybe he remembered the previous rock that he had hit, and water poured out. Maybe he thought he could show how great he was to the people, like, watch me bring water from this rock. Now, God loves all people. Let's not forget that. And sometimes, even amidst our sin, he still cares for us. You think of someone like Judas. You hear from God's word that it would have been better had he not been born. God doesn't just take him out. Rather, he uses him for his purposes. And Judas's act of betrayal gets the ball rolling for Jesus' death, which was all part of God's plan. When Moses hit the rock, water should not have poured out. God was merciful, and even amidst Moses' sin, he cared for his people, and they all drank but as the result of Moses hitting the rock, he will not enter the promised land. 
which, when you think of all that Moses had put into these people, all that he had put up with these people, all that he had done for them, and because he hit a rock, a rock? He doesn't get to enter into the promised land? He wanders for 40 years with these people for something that he didn't even do. And because he hits this not-so-smart rock, instead of talking to it, he doesn't get to enter the promised land. That doesn't really seem fair, does it? That seems like such a small thing for such a big punishment. His sin was no different than the sin of the Israelites who wander in the wilderness because of their sin. Why an entire generation had to die off and not enter the promised land before their children could. Because they were in unbelief. They didn't trust in God's provisions to care for them. They rejected him. That's a first commandment issue. Moses was in unbelief as well. He didn't trust God's word, and he took matters into his own hands. Instead of obeying God's word, he rejected God. And it cost him the promised land. We can say the same for us. When we sin, it's because of our lack of faith. Or rather, our faith in things other than God. Because we know better. Because the world knows better than God, and they have plenty of things to tell us. And they seem way more trustworthy because, well, I don't know about you, but I see my face in the mirror every day. And I see the faces of people in the world every day. When was the last time you saw the face of God? It's hard to see his face. At least just looking at his word. Which is why it's easy to fall into temptation, into unbelief. That's why the people of Israel do it over and over and over again. God is feeding them every day in the wilderness, and it's still not good enough. So they complain, and they grumble, and they have no patience. And so God, he sends fiery serpents to bite them, and then they die. The people then actually repent of their sin. They ask Moses to pray for them, and he intercedes for them as he's been doing all along. God told them to make a fiery serpent, put it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten can look at it and be saved. The thing that bit them, that led to their death, is also the thing that saved them. So the question for you can become, what is that thing that you look to to save you? What is your bronze serpent, if you will? 
What do you raise up as your Savior? Does anyone know what this month is? Mm -hmm. It's June. You're right. Absolutely. This is the month of June. This wasn't a trick question. All right. It is the month of June. However, others will tell you that this month is Oh. Others will tell you that this month is Pride Month. Yes. And they want to raise up the rainbow flag. Well, actually, the rainbow flag isn't even good enough anymore. Because now there are lots of colors incorporated into the flag because you need more colors. And there's even more flags because you need more flags to describe everything, every person, every situation, and dare we say every sin? The world wants you to raise up these flags, these colors, and they want them to be your savior. Because the world wants to be your savior. And so you have to accept all of these beliefs as being the one true truth. And certainly the world wants to save you from people like me. People who speak the truth of God's word. And if we're being honest, sometimes I, we, don't do a great job of speaking the truth of God's word. Sometimes we don't do a very good job of standing up for the truth of God's word. Now, as we talked about last week, the world will look at God's word, and they will see the things that are contained in here as hateful and racist and homophobic and sexist and outdated. And thus, you, I, will be labeled as hateful and racist and homophobic and sexist and outdated. Now, some might tell you about this month that we need to reclaim the rainbow. Newsflash, we never lost it. Again, maybe we just don't speak up about the promises of God and his word as often as we should. Maybe we don't speak about the truth of God's word as often as we should. God has made us male and female. He has created marriage to be between a man and a woman. These are Jesus' words. You will not find anything in God's word that disagrees with that. You will not find God's word say that how he created you you are free to disagree with and change. You will not find God's word say that if you would like to be married to somebody of the same gender as you, you are free to disagree with him and do it. But maybe this is a touchy subject. Maybe you have a personal connection to this topic, and really, who doesn't in our world today? And maybe you're not convinced that I'm right. That's okay. I cannot convince you of anything because I'm just a sinful human being like you. 
And that's why we look to God's word. Not my word. Because if I wanted you to trust my word, am I any different than the rest of the world? I can't change you. The word of God does that. So let's look at something else. Jesus said, You shall not murder. Confirms the same commandment given by God to Moses at Mount Sinai. If I knew someone was going to murder their wife, should I just say, well, we have to accept them for who they are. That's the way God made them. Is that too harsh? Well, how about hatred towards someone? If someone hates you, despises you, treats you like garbage, should I just say, well, we just have to accept them for who they are. That's the way God made them. Because hatred is murder, according to God. Okay, let's leave you out of it. Or at least take your activeness out of it. Say I knew someone who lusted over you, had a sexual desire for you which you don't even know about because there's no physical component to lusting, should I just say, well, God made us as sexual people, and he, if he made us that way, we might as well just allow them to do it. Do you want people lusting over you? Do you want people breaking the adultery commandment that God gave at Sinai, that Jesus also confirms? You will not find in God's word him say that you are free to lust after someone because you're a sexual being. And that you are free to murder someone because he made you that way. What if there's a couple living together before marriage? And God tells us to keep the marriage bed pure. And sex before marriage does not keep the marriage bed pure. And is adultery. Shall we just say, well, but people need to live together before they're married to see if they're compatible with one another. Plus, it's their life. We should just let them live it. What's the harm in that? What's the harm in any sin? I mean, certainly not death, right? God doesn't say anywhere that sin leads to death. God is a God of life, and he's a God of love. God's not a God of death. Now, sin has tainted our world. It has tainted creation. It has tainted our bodies. It has tainted our minds. It has tainted our hearts. All of us are tempted in many, many ways. Maybe it's lusting. Maybe it's murder. Maybe it's a sexual desire for the, someone the same gender as you. Temptation comes from the greatest liar there is. The one who is a liar from the beginning. The one who will tell you everything that goes against God's word. And everything that feeds into the sin that is inside of you. The sin that wants to go against God. Remember, it's called the sinful nature. 
which means that it is natural for us to give in to temptation, to give in to sin, to go against God, which only leads to death. Physical death. Just like the Israelites who died in the wilderness, just like people who die every day in our world, one day it will come for us all. But more than physical death, sin leads to eternal death, condemnation, hell. Now, please do not confuse loving someone with approval of someone's actions. We are called to love our neighbor, for sure. God's word says it. I can love someone who murders their spouse, but that doesn't mean I approve of their actions. I can love someone who lusts after others, but that doesn't mean I approve of their actions. I can love someone who is married to someone of the same gender, but that doesn't mean I approve of their actions. I can love someone who was born a male but is now a female, but that doesn't mean I approve of their actions. The same goes for me. You can love me, but I don't want you to approve of my sinful actions because it all leads to death. So, how do we do this? I'm not an expert. Well, actually, I am an expert in sinning. I'm really good at that. But I'm not an expert on loving others like God does. So sometimes in these moments, we ask, our, we ask ourselves the question of, what would Jesus do? The better question to ask is, what did Jesus do? He hung out with tax collectors and sinners and probably prostitutes. Yeah. But he, did he just go around approving of their lifestyles? For example, the woman who was caught in adultery. Did Jesus just say, you know what, it's okay. You only live once, so just go live your life. Have sex with whoever you want, since no one's going to stone you now because you're all sinners except me, and I approve of what you're doing. Is that what he said? No. He said, go and leave your life of sin. We love others because we have first been loved by God. We acknowledge our sin before addressing the sin of others. That's that whole speck and plank thing that God's word talks about. We speak the truth of God's word because the number of people who are doing it is not in the majority of the world. We are the minority. This is the unpopular opinion. And if we don't speak the truth of God's word, we as Christians who believe in God and his word, if we don't, who will? No one. No one. God loves you, but that does not give you a green light to sin. It is a red light. It means stop. Stop sinning. Go and sin no more. But we don't stop. Not while we are still on this earth. 
So repentance is the key for all of us because we all have things to repent of. And repentance is not just being sorry for your sins or even being sorry that you got caught. Repentance is a turning away from sin. It's not wanting to do it again. It is a U-turn. Now, if you have nothing to repent of today, I would invite you to just come up here and take my place because you are far more fit to serve God and his people than I am. Any takers? Okay. As we talked about last week, it is not hateful to speak the truth of God's word in love to someone. It is hateful to allow someone to drive down the road of unbelief and do nothing. Because it is unbelief and unbelief alone that condemns someone to hell. That's what John 3 verse 18 says. It's the verse that follows our reading for today. That's what Jesus says in the gospel. It is not loving to see someone living in unbelief and just open the door for hell to them. There you go, go on in. So it might be unpopular. It might not be received well. It might be received as hate. But we stay true to the truth of God's word. Now, we said it earlier. It's hard to see the face of God when we look at his word. But you know what is easy to see when we look at his word? His heart. For our lack of faith, we should be condemned to death. We should not be able to enter into the promised land of heaven. And the other side of that is this. It's very hard to look at the world and know that many of the faces that you see every day will not be entering into the promised land. There's plenty of people that you know who do good things for other people that put so much of themselves into the lives of other people who have put up with so much from other people. To just have this one tiny little sin condemn them for them to not get into heaven? It just doesn't seem fair. It just doesn't seem right, does it? There's going to be a lot of good people who are not in heaven. That's because it's not about being good. It's not about loving. It's about believing. The only thing that condemns is unbelief. And the only thing that saves is belief in Jesus. Being good is not your ticket to heaven. Faith is. And that's why amidst all that we go through in life, God is with us every step of the way. Even in our sin, God still cares for his people. When their sin of grumbling, complaining led to death, the bronze serpent was lifted up to save. When Balaam, 
decided to go on his own path against the word of God, an angel of the Lord, probably Jesus, steers Balaam in the right direction using his donkey. When Moses' sin leads him to not enter into the promised land, God raises up Joshua, one of those faithful spies as the new leader of the people. For us and our sin, God raises up, lifts up another. Sin is what leads to death. And the sin of the people, their unbelief in Christ, led to their saving. You see, your sin leads to death. My sin leads to death. And it's also the thing that saved us. Because you see, your sin, my sin, is what led Jesus to be lifted up on the cross. So that he could die for our sin. So that he could die in your place. In order to save you. It's not easy sitting in these pews. It's hard. But you know what? Jesus took all the hard stuff. He took all of your sins. He took all of your neighbor's sins. He took all of the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the adulterers and the fornicators and the murderers and the liars and the thieves and the abusers and the haters and the lusters. All of their sins. All people's sins. He took all of the sinner's sins and he died for them. Because even in our sin, God cares for his people. As Romans says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because it was the only way to save us. And then he rises from the dead. Proving that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature are no match for him. And then he sends us his Holy Spirit to give us the gift of faith so that we believe, so that we can enter into the promised land of heaven. Not of our own doing, not of our own actions, but all because of him. Because he leads us there. He drives us in the right direction. He repents us every time that we sin. Every time that we, you, turn away from him, he who turns us back. He guides us. He guides our path, the one that leads to him, the one that leads to life, the one that leads to eternity. God's word is not a book of hate. It is a book of love. The greatest love story ever written. How God who created us was rejected by us, was cheated on by us, was crucified by us, but never gave up on us, believed in us, willingly sacrificed his life for us, and overcame death and the grave because of his great, sacrificial, unconditional love for us. 
sent his Holy Spirit to work faith in us, calls us by name in our baptism, gives us his body and blood in his supper, forgives us our sins, and keeps us in the faith until we are called home. To be told, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because we have been faithful all of our days, but because he has been faithful all of our days. Because he, not us, is the reason that we get to the promised land. Amen? Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.